Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 259 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the former heavyweight world title challenger, the man himself. It is, of course, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How are you? All good. Always good whenever speaking with you, as I always say. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot to go over here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna take, um, take my time with the review part. There's a lot to go into. There's, there's. Um, quite a lot quite a lot of different places to visit etc etc so i want to jump into that in just a moment i just want to say i completely forgot to mention it but last week um last week's podcast was actually our five-year anniversary obviously we started doing this in september 2015 last year uh, sorry not last year last week was um the five-year anniversary which i completely forgot to mention on the podcast um i tweeted about it but just for those that don't know um, yeah, it's, it's uh, five years and a week this week, and you know it was a good show last week. It was good to you know sit down and have an in-depth interview with Scott Quigg, which was really interesting. Obviously, a guy that's been a world champion now happily retired. Um, about an hour long, the interview was as well. So if you haven't checked that out, you can go back and listen to that. Um, anyway, let's leave let's leave that there. Let's get straight into the reviewing. I'm going to start here with a card that took place in Mexico at the Grand Hotel in Tijuana. Um, actually, this is quite a crazy one. Um, firstly, on the undercard, we saw some kind of exhibition bout between Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. I don't know if you've seen any clips of that, Eddie. No, I did not. I did not. Yeah. I didn't even know it happened. Chavez, oh my God. Chavez Senior on the uh, on the undercard in an exhibition fight. Um, you know, as it was an exhibition, there's I don't really know what happened. I didn't see it. But the main event, um, it was uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Junior topping the bill. No surprise. But there was a surprise with the outcome. He took on a guy that was undefeated, Mario Cazares, who was eleven and zero, and. Cazares pulled off the upset win. Julio Cesar Chavez mm. Jr. loses a technical decision. Um, he was cut, mm. Chavez, on his left eye. It was an accidental head clash. Um, the doctor mm. stopped the the uh, the contest. It went to the scorecards. And Mario Cazares, never heard of him before. He's now 12-0. And um, he's he's got a win over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., which is quite unbelievable. It was even a card being promoted by the uh, the Julio Cesar Chavez Factory, which is the the promotional outfit behind uh, behind Chavez wow. Junior. So unbelievable outcome there um, in Mexico. Moving out now to another part of Mexico. This one took place in the Grupo Sipsi um, in Merida in Yucatan. 
One fighter to mention over here, he was a real good amateur. I haven't really taken much notice of him as a professional. Uh, he's European, he's Eastern European. I think he could be from... I'm not quite sure. I don't want to speculate on the country. I forgot for now. But a good amateur. I think he boxed in the uh, the the, uh, the World Series of Boxing. Sergei Bohachuk. He's now 18-0 with 18 KOs. He's a 154 fighter. Um, he's you know he's looking for the big names apparently at 154. And he got a win against a you know a Mexican guy called Alejandro Davila, who's now 21 and two with two draws. Bohachuk knocked him out in uh, well you know he made him he made his opponent retire on his store after six rounds. That one was for the WBC Continental America's Super Welterweight title. So Bohachuk perhaps one to look out for in the future. 18 and 0, 18 KOs. Anyway, moving out now to Denmark, heavyweight action over here. A good win for the Olympic bronze medalist Filip Hergovic. He's now 11-0, and 0, a KO for him in two rounds against Alexander Kotosia, who's now 8-2 and 2 with a draw. That one was at the Struer Arena in Denmark. Um, moving out now to Germany, the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Final. Um, funny enough, it was only for one belt. It was for the IBF World Cruiserweight title, but, you know, since uh, Usyk moved up to heavyweight and fragmented the titles... It's a. It's been a bit of a free-for-all. There's guys that hold belts that I couldn't even tell you their name right now, but everyone kind of knows these two are the real deal. These two are the two best, Daltacos and Maris Bradis. After 12 rounds, it ended in, in a majority decision in favor of Maris Bradis. Um, he's now 27-1, and one, and Daltacos is 24-2. and two. Um you know, Maris Bredis, you know, the the, the, uh, the Latvian fighter, takes the Muhammad Ali trophy back to Riga, where he's from. But a good win for him in Germany. It was great to get to see it on Sky Sports over here in the UK. Um, very tactical fight, you know. The the, uh, the concentration that you could just see on Bredis's face said it all. He couldn't afford to make a mistake against a puncher like Daltacos. Real high-level stuff through the first early rounds kind of thing, the first two, three rounds. Um, it was close early on, really. Uh, the third round, both men started to trade a little bit. Bradis definitely got the better of the trading. He's, you know, he's such a thinking fighter. He, he seemed to know when to commit fully and when not to. Um, you know, like I say, very, very tactical fight. Close rounds early on. Um, in the kind of latter half of the fight, I felt like the second half especially, Bradis started to really pick his shots excellently pick him at the right time like I say and the right shots um he was getting the better pretty much of all of the trading and for me was you know controlling the fight completely the final round um it it, it clashed with the Josh Taylor fight which I'm going to get on to but just after everything I didn't really score it properly like I say the the uh, the early rounds were quite close but then you know as the fight wore on I really felt Bradis seemed to pull away um and there's been talk about him possibly retiring as well after that that career best win. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I've only heard, uh, I think it was the Sky Pundits talking about it, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen that anywhere else. So I'm hoping they've made a mistake there because, you know, he's he's just on the cusp, if you like, of making... Um, you know, even more waves, I guess. Uh, um, perhaps not a cruiserweight, maybe even a heavyweight. I don't know. He is the main man, though, it would seem, at cruiser now. Um, 
doesn't mean that Daltercross can't come back. There's still so many good fights for him out there. Uh, moving out now to Latvia at the Studio 69 in Riga. We got to see Rikards Bolotniks uh, 16 and 5 with a draw going in against our very own Jose Aberton 25 and 1. It was for the WBO European Light Heavyweight title, and it was the semi-final of the MTK Golden Contract Tournament. Um, we didn't know too much about Bolotniks apart from the fact that he stopped Stephen Ward in a round. Jose Aberton, for me, the the more proven of the two for sure. Um, shocking though, shocking. Tyson Fury actually. Um, you know, got on a plane, he was there ringside in Latvia, which was quite amazing to see, because they had a crowd, which was, which was uh, really kind of weird in in this uh, current climate, you know, having a crowd ringside and stuff like that, and Tyson Fury's there, just, you know, a giant standing out uh, to support his cousin, Hosea, however, um, Hosea ended up losing a, uh, a, pretty lopsided fight really a unanimous decision in the end over 10 rounds um jose burton you know he just didn't show any urgency in the fight it was very much one paced he seemed to be stuck in first gear but lotniks for me isn't even that great of a fighter burton's only loss obviously as we know was was a fight he was winning and then he got caught uh, whereas this fight here was was a shocker you know it was pretty much a beat down um it had never happened to him in, in the past, I've never seen him, you know, getting beaten up like that. And with all his pedigree and promise and all what I said about him on last week's show, I was really bigging him up. I think he's now about 32 years of age. I can't see him going on for much longer, you know. Um, since that loss for the British title to Buglioni, it's been four years of him pretty much fighting a list of nobodies. And, um, you know, if he goes back to British level, based on that performance, you know, there's there's a there's a heap of guys I can see beating him, you know, even um, Lyndon Arthur, I think, uh, Anthony Yard, Josh Boatsy, all those types of guys. I wouldn't mind seeing him in there with like a Dex Spellman. Um, and I think it's, it's a tough position he finds himself in because he hasn't had it easy by any stretch. Um, I think he's been somewhat avoided and things just haven't gone to plan for him. But losing a fight like that to a guy like Balotnik's I don't know where he goes from here. That's why I'm saying I think he could be perhaps on his way out the door, which would be really unfortunate. It's almost like a, uh, you know, he hasn't fulfilled his promise. I don't, I don't think. I think he, he uh, could have achieved great things. Um, you never know, though. I think his best hopes probably is perhaps getting the winner of um, Shakam Pitters and Craig Richards, if, um, if he can land that shot. Uh, for the for the British title once again, but I'm not sure he I'm not sure he beats either of those to be honest. Based on that, it was a real bad performance from him. Um, but you know, leaving it there anyway. Sad to see. Moving out now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. Let's start with the very top of this card here. Josh Taylor now 17 and 0, a KO in the first round against Apinun Kongsong. He's mandatory, who was undefeated himself going in 16 and 0. It was of course for Josh Taylor's two world titles, the WBA and IBF World Super Lightweight titles. Kongsong in the end knocked out by. Uh, a strange kind of shot, really, to his body. Um, very quick night, uh, quick night's work for Josh Taylor. It was a left hand to the body. It was a straight shot. It didn't look like much, but apparently, he said it afterwards, he, he felt the shot go right through his opponent, and the tire fighter stayed down on the canvas for over five minutes. In the end, he couldn't even really... Um, 
you know, he couldn't even really stand up without grimacing. And I've never seen, well, I probably have seen it happen, but I can't remember in recent times. He actually laid on the floor. He, he was standing up for a while. Then he laid on the floor and rolled over into a stretcher that they kind of had at the same level as the canvas. He rolled into the into the stretcher and he was in agony for, for, for several minutes after the fight. So it was, it's mad because the shot didn't look like much. And of course, we're going to get onto it. But the uh, the fight, the uh, the one of the Charlos against um, Rosario, that it was a similar kind of shot. I think it was even less of a big shot than the Charlo one. Um, that's what it seemed like anyway, even with the replays and especially in real time. Um, moving down that card, we got to see David Oliver Joyce. He was such a great amateur, but it just doesn't seem to be going to plan as a professional. He was actually TKO'd in round three against Iron Up Baluta, who's now 14-2. and two. Joyce was down in the third round prior to the stoppage. That one was for the WBO European Super Bantamweight Champion... Uh, Super Bantamweight title. David Oliver Joyce, 12 and 2 now as a pro. It's just all gone wrong for him. Charlie Edwards picked up a win, his first fight under the Frank Warren stable. He's now 16 and 1, a points win for him against um, Carl Williams over 10 rounds there. Um, it ended up being 9 rounds to 1 on the referee Bob Williams scorecard. Moving out now, though, to the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, USA. I'm going to come to you first here, Eddie. Um, obviously, Showtime pay-per-view. There's no way you paid the pay-per-view. How did you watch it, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I watched it uh, with, with my man, Coach Ann. <laughs> A little bit of it, anyway. Yeah, that's my man, but uh, uh, one of my good friends. But, yeah, yeah we watched some of, the, some of the court. Actually, I missed most of the fights, actually was ready for the main event basically is what I actually started to watch it. But I tried to see, I seen like little clips and little parts of the other fights, but really, really was able to finally get actually sit down and actually watch the Charlo fight. Um, well, the Jermel Charlo fight against uh, Banana, <laughs> which was, which is a crazy name, but, uh, but um, the fight itself, it was, wasn't bad. You know what I mean? I thought, I thought that, uh, Jason was that Jason Rosario. I thought he was doing really well early on. I think his style, well, his plan, it was similar to what um to what uh, damn I can't J-Rock. remember his name right now. No, 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 not J Rock. When he the the fight that uh, Jamel fought with Tony Harrison, it was his style was actually similar similar to what ter- Tony Harrison did to Jamel Charlo. You know, he was kind of walking him down. And, you know, you know, giving him some different looks, you know, starting with the jab periodically. He should have been using the jab more, to be honest. But the walk down thing with a puncher like him, it could be dangerous. But if you put him in a situation where he's looking for just that one big shot because you're too busy and he was he was actually being really busy. I just don't think he has the same boxing ability that Tony Harrison did, obviously. But his punching power was really what was I, what I thought was going to really carry the night. And um it just didn't affect Charlo as much as you would have thought. And even though I, I, you know, I saw some clinching, some early clinches coming from Charlo when the pressure got to be a lot, which was smart strategic stuff. You're supposed to put, you know, you're supposed to not give your opponent an opportunity uh, after you let yours go. It's not supposed to be a turn-based type thing, which I, uh, which I commend and applaud Jermel uh, Charlo for doing. But at the same time, I also felt that the punches might have been getting to him a little bit, but I never really seen the full effects of that. And then you could see his power start to really carry <laughs> carry tonight. He started landing those counter hooks, 
One of them was a little behind the head, the first one, where uh, where uh, Rosario went down. But every other one that he landed, even when he hurt him the, the second time, were all clean in the front, right on the chin or the temple, actually, is where he caught him the second time. And then, obviously, the finisher was that crazy jab to the body. Now, a lot of people <clears throat> were saying, man, he took money or this and that. But, look, nobody's going to, you know, react that way. And that, honestly, that reaction, I just don't really don't think it was too fake. I just think that he caught him in an awkward situation. It was a hard jab to the body and people don't really understand a lot of casual people watch and say oh it was not but a left hand straight left hand to the body a jab to the body that shouldn't have really hurt him that much but listen let me tell you if you get hit with a certain certain people back in the day like um you look about larry holmes jab or i like to say i cortez jab because a lot of people i remember i remember he fought a guy from uh, from my city ralph tiger jones and he came and told us that i cortez jab felt like a straight right hand so I'm not, I don't know about how Jamel Charlo's jab is, you know, as far as if it's that hard, but the effects of that jab to the body that you've seen on Rosario, you would think so. You know what I mean? And I think he took the way he turned it in, the, the, the velocity in which he did it, and uh, just the time, the timing might have been what really, really caught him at an awkward position. And when he went down, he was panicking. Like you could see the panic in his breathing. And, he was like almost like not not shaking like he was knocked out like his head hit the ground or anything, but his his just as you can see his shoulders him trying to find the breath and he just couldn't find it, you know what I mean? And he just couldn't get up. He tried to get up and you see him grab the rope and it's just like man I can't move, you know? And it's a hell of a thing, man, when you really just can't find your breathing. <laughs> That's a scary thing I can imagine. So I think a lot of people looking at that fight and thinking that it was some money behind that or you know he was just giving up i really don't think so i think he was still fighting like he wanted to win and just got caught with a hell of a shot yeah and i'm gonna just give my real quick um assessment of that fight obviously you mentioned the knockdown in the first round for charlo it for me it seemed to be mm-hmm. like you know he threw a left hook it seemed to for me graze kind of off the top of rosario's head like around the temple area um mm-hmm. obviously it knocked his balance off he went down Rounds kind of two, three, four, and five, I felt were very, very competitive. They were subjective. Um, Obviously, the second knockdown as well came in round six. That's when Rosario got caught square on with a left hook from Charlo. Again, you know, the the left hook was on point uh, from from, from Jamel. And, you know, he also hit him with a right hand just to kind of knock him over a little faster in that one. And his feet were were only squared up for half a second. And that's the thing about, you know, the the, the Charlo twins. You give them an opportunity, nine times out of ten, they'll take it with both hands. He caught him perfectly the the timing was amazing of the shot and then obviously the eighth round uh you know the, the the final round the knockout with that jab to the body um i don't know man it's it's hard to because you watch it back as many times as you want um you know he could have been breathing out at the time perhaps i don't know but it's it's almost like he must have broken a rib or something he was he was down he was in lots of pain the shot like like we said didn't look like too much but again it it, it was um a little bit Josh Taylor-esque from earlier on in the evening, which I know you didn't see that, but it's weird because I've never quite seen anything like that before, and we see it happen twice in the same night. It was it was bizarre. But um, on that kind of undercard, because it was a strange format, they uh, they put, it was like two main events. It was like two different cards in the same arena, one after the other. It was very weird. But uh, we spoke about Jamel. 
Um, let's go over to the to the other main event. I'm going to speak here about Jamal Charlo, now 31 and 0, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Sergei Derevyanchenko, who's now 13 and 3. Uh, of course, that one was for the WBC World Middleweight Title. Um, you know, we we spoke about this. We we felt, well, I felt anyway that you know um, Charlo. I didn't expect him to stop Derevyanchenko because he's been in there with. Uh, Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs, but a good, a very, very good win again. Um, I'm going to fly through these rounds. The first round for me, uh, Jamal Charlo round. It was cagey. Neither man were really overcommitting. Charlo's jabs, I felt, snatched him the round. Uh, he, he went on to work his jab excellently throughout the fight. Round two. Um, again, I was really enjoying Charlo's work with his left hand. He tripled up the left hook at one point. Derevyanchenko just seemed so small next to Charlo, and it just made me think, how the hell did uh, did, did Jamal once upon a time make 154? Um, you know, he was huge in there next to Derevyanchenko. Uh, third round, another dominant round for Charlo. The power jab was working excellently. Derevyanchenko was having trouble working him out and even getting past that jab. Uh, Charlo did manage to rock Derevyanchenko late on in the round, but there was only about five seconds left. Derevyanchenko was able to get through the round. Um, Charlo again was setting a real high pace. Uh, moving into round five, uh, at that point I had you know Charlo in total control really. Round five, I thought Derevyanchenko started to have some success. I'm not sure it was enough to win him that round, but it was certainly a good sign after he'd been, in my opinion, largely dominated in the previous rounds. Round six, Derevyanchenko... Um, he suffered a cut on the right eye. It was another round where Derevyanchenko was coming forward, putting the pressure on Charlo, making him work. He was having some success, but again, I wasn't sure that it was enough to give him the round. Uh, round seven and eight, I gave to Charlo. He also rocked Derevyanchenko in the in the um, the final kind of seconds of round eight, and then. Just really, from that point onwards, 9, 10, 11, 12, um, Derevyanchenko did come on strong. It seemed like Charlo ran out of gas for a little bit, but Charlo did seem to get somewhat of a second wind. He seemed to finish strong. Um, so did Derevyanchenko, you know. He he kind of had his best moments in the later part of the fight, and it was a fun fight, and, uh, you know, it's one of those fights I think will, it will probably take a bit out of both men. Um, but no, a solid win for for Jamal Charlo, even though he didn't get the stoppage, and you know it was kind of expected, I guess, in most people's eyes that he'd win on points against Derevyanchenko or even lose. It was a tough fight. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Um, he's gone up in my estimations, man. That's that's one of his best wins. That's that's potentially his best win actually of his career. Um, I want to see him in there with um, these these names, you know. Before I would have favoured guys over him if he would to step in the ring with them and I'm not saying I've I've changed my mind maybe he'd still lose to these other guys like Golovkins like your you know like your Jacobs like your Andres like your Canelos but after that performance there I'm actually um I'm not sure I actually think he's I see someone tweet something that his style's all wrong for Canelo, and people were laughing, but I was sitting there thinking, do you know what? I don't know about all wrong for Canelo, but it's a fight I'd love to see. I think he's he's got a yeah. great chance in that fight, Jamal. Um, yeah. I really do. Um, touching on the other fights from the undercard, because it was a great undercard, I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, Daniel Roman. His fight against... Um, 
Juan Carlos Payano, obviously two guys being former world champions, um, and Daniel Roman's debut with PBC. Uh, for me, though, Payano fought excellently in the majority of the rounds and arguably was beating Roman at his own game at times. You know, he was putting the pressure on. Um, Roman did seem to get a second win late on, which seemed to swing the fight into his favour, but... Um, you know, it was a lot of people at the end of it felt like Payano was robbed and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure I'd go as far to say that. Um, Roman did also drop Payano on the bell for the end of the fight, and the referee didn't count it because it said, uh, because he said it was after the bell, despite replays showing it wasn't. So that should have been a 10 8. Um, and, you know, it was an important thing because everyone was saying, oh, this is really close. That 10 8 could have could have um you know could have won the fight for Roman. It ended up I guess being a ten nine, but he ended up not needing it on the scorecards. It was quite wide um uh, in the end, which was a little bit surprising. I think um two of the judges had Roman up by four points, something like that. Not a lot of people agreed with that. Um also on the bill we got to see one of my favorite young fighters, Brandon Figueroa, successfully defend his WBA World Super Bantamweight title against Damian Vasquez. Uh, Vasquez a tough, tough guy, you know, but Figueroa, made of some different stuff, 21-0, and like I say, with a draw. Um, he is a bit of a savage, he really is. Um, you know, I love watching him fight, as I say, it's something with these Figueroa brothers, they always... Uh, you know, bring the action. The early rounds were competitive, but, you know, once both men kind of got in the second half of the fight, it was it was F- Figueroa who was pulling away, and it, it turned more and more into a dogfight, and he was starting to make a mess of Vasquez's face. Uh, during round nine, the referee pulled the pair apart so aggressively, and I've, I've not seen this before, the referee pulled the pair apart so aggressively that he actually pushed Figueroa down on the canvas. Um... But anyway, uh, someone on Twitter reminded me the, uh, of the time, Eddie, I'm sure you remember when <laughs> when Mills Lane pushed Bernard Hopkins out the ring. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but the referee on this occasion, he, he, he put Figueroa down, but um, he got his act together. He, he decided to, to stop the fight in the end, like I say, the 10th round. Um, people on Twitter were disgusted by how long it took the referee and the corner of Vasquez to stop the fight because he was starting to get bludgeoned in there. But um, no, another another good win there for Figueroa. Um, also on the card, um, Lewis Neary moved to 31-0. and 0, a def- uh, Not a defense, it was for the vacant WBC World Super Bantamweight title. He beat the previously undefeated Aaron Alameda, who, by the way, a lot of people, again, thought Alameda deserved the decision. I wasn't too sure, but um, Lewis Neary seemed to get, you know, get it really wide on the cards in the end. A unanimous decision on one card by eight points. That that didn't seem right. Um, Lewis Neary, once again, world champion. I think that's his second or third reign now. Um, he keeps losing it off the, uh, you know, outside of the ring, stuff like that. And uh, the final fight to mention as well on that card was the um, the fight between um, John Real Casimero and Duke Micah. John Real Casimero, the Filipino fighter, was defending his WBO World Bantamweight title. It was it was his 30th win. He's got those four losses, and he took on the previously undefeated Duke Micah, 24-0 from Ghana. Um, Brilliant win for Casemiro. He dropped Micah um, in the, I think it was the first round. Um, 
think it was the first round. It might have been the second round. And Micah got back up, but his legs were just incredibly unsteady. And, um, you know, he, he saw out the, the rest of the round on these, you know, on, on these unsteady legs. And even at one point, he missed wildly with a shot himself and he, he fell on the floor. Um, you know, he, he tried to carry on. Um, his legs were all over the place. He, he made it through that round. He went back to the, you know, back to the corner and, you know, he had that minute in between rounds, obviously at the end of that round. And then when the next round started, the referee at that point decided to bring the doctor in to just quickly, briefly check him over, ask him where his fingers moving, if it's going left and right, stuff like that. And the commentators were saying the referee shouldn't be doing this during the next round. He's had so much time to recover now. He's had the minute in between rounds. It should have been done then. So he had even more time. Anyway, when the the referees, you know, let the action continue. He's still on unsteady legs from about a minute and a half earlier. And it didn't really take Casemiro long to finish his man at that point. He landed a clean left uppercut and referee Steve Willis stopped the fight. And Casemiro celebrated by dropping down and uh, doing some one-armed push-ups. If that's not a... <laughs> if that's not a... Not a I don't even know. That's uh, showing off too... You don't need to do that. Most people can't do that on their best days, Eddie. Not especially not after a fight. Doing one arm press ups. Um, yeah. Casemiro though, he's the real deal, which we knew. Duke Micah hadn't really boxed anyone. It was his first step up, and uh, yeah, hopefully he'll learn from that and he can come again. And the final card to mention of the review part, it took place in the Production Park Studios in South Kirkby, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This one took place uh, yesterday evening. I'm going to start with the undercard. Um, Stephen Ward, he's moved up to Cruiserweight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, He was obviously previously at Light Heavy. He managed to get in there with a guy that was only 5-5, but he was testing the waters there at Cruiserweight. Stephen Ward looked pretty good. He won on points over six rounds. He's now 13-1. Also on the bill, it was the other leg, or whatever, the other sector, the other section, the other side of the of the um, the golden contract light heavyweight semi-finals. Liam Conroy um, got stopped in four rounds by Serge Michel. I think it's Sergei Michel. Uh, Conroy was down once in the third round and twice in the fourth. Um, so yeah, Conroy has been upset there and Josea Burton. So they put on this great tournament, MTK, um, you know, with, with various guys from the UK, various guys from, you know, other parts of Europe, stuff like that. And... I guess we were all hoping for a British, you know, an all-British final, or at least one British fighter in the final, but Jose Burton's lost to Ricard Bolotniks, I think, from Latvia, and um, and and Liam Conroy loses to Sergei Michel, so now it's going to be Michel against Bolotniks in the final, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles, but I don't think many people are going to be too interested in watching that now, it's just, you know, either guy... They're not big names. There's no Brits in the tournament. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a shame that that both the Brits lost at the semi-final stage. But it is what it is. Talking of though, the final. This one was of the uh, the super lightweight tournament, the Golden Contract tournament. Tyrone McKenna against O'Hara Davies for the WBC International Super Lightweight title. O'Hara Davies managed to win a, a majority decision over ten rounds. Uh, the the referee. John Latham, he was referee in the fight and um, scoring it. 
uh, one of the three judges anyway. He was one of the three judges. He gave it a draw. The other two judges outside the ring, Mark Lyson and Howard Foster, gave it uh, six rounds to four in favor of O'Hara Davies. So he, he seemed to be the rightful winner in my eyes, even though a lot of people had it the other way. Um, it was very close anyway. Definitely wasn't a robbery like we're hearing from certain people on Twitter. But yeah, um, good win there for O'Hara Davies. Not quite sure who he's going to be getting this big contract with. Obviously, he's been with Matchroom. It doesn't look like it's going to be them. So um, I'm not sure who it's going to be. It's interesting, but we shall see. He was the rightful winner. Tyrone McKenna, to be honest, was very lucky to even be in the finals. I think he lost the semi-final, but... You know, got very favoured heavily on the cards by the judges that night. Uh, but anyway, that's it though for the review part of the show. Like I said, there was a lot to go over there. Um, Regis Progray is our sole guest on this week's podcast. After I bring him in and I do the interview with him in just a few seconds, we will finish, we'll close the show out with the preview part of the show. Uh, so yeah, that's it for part one. That's it for the review. And just before we wrap up the the reviewing part, the final thing to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA super lightweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Regis Prograve. Regis, welcome back on the show, my man. Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Obviously, our listeners get to hear you on the intro every week anyway. The uh, the swamp monster. The monster from the swamps, I should say. Anyway, Regis, we last spoke in, in late February. It was right before, obviously, this global pandemic that seemed to you know, just take the world by, by storm. Um, what has life yeah. been like for you during these unprecedented times? Obviously, you know, you've had some personal issues going on, of course, that you, you spoke about before. Right, right, right. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's been up and down, you know, just like life is, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing I can really complain about like that. You know, it was just, it's just a lot of up and down stuff. You know, I had my, my grandpa pass, um, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, so that, of course, that was tough and it was crazy. You know, he had just came to my house. Um, him and my grandma is, it was just at my house playing cards and having a good time. And, you know, he went back to New Orleans and I think it was like two weeks he was there and, you know, he just, he died. I think he had a stroke. And so now, you know, my grandma is, is staying with us and, you know, she's, she's taking it hard, you know, cause they was married for 60 years. So she's, She's taking the real. She was taking the real hard. She's getting, you know, they we go day by day with her, but she was getting a little better and stuff like that. But some days she's good, some days she's bad, um, you know. But that's kind of what's going on with me. And uh, but you know, the life still, you know, besides all that, life is still good. And you know, I just been training the whole time, man. Since the pandemic, you know, I talked to you since the pandemic, before the pandemic, during the pandemic, which is now, you know, I've been I've been training the whole time. You know, um, a lot of people. I had a few interviews and they asked me do you think I'm going to have, do I think I would have ring rush? And I was just like, no, nah, I don't think so, you know, because um, I've been training. I literally just been training the whole time, you know. Um, I had a few fights that I had the the two training camps with the Marie Hooker thing. They fell out, and I was supposed to fight. I remember I was supposed to fight somebody else, and then I was supposed to fight. Um, I had like a month notice to fight, and I just, I mean, I've been in training camps for ever since. So, um, you know, I just, that's the main thing, man. Staying busy and, you know, but life will hit you. That's just how it is. Life will hit you and give you ups and downs, but it's just all about keep pushing. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, I'm sorry to hear about your grandpa. Um, at the time, you're, you're right in saying, at the time when we last spoke, you were scheduled to fight Maurice Hooker. It was a fight everyone was mm -hmm. looking forward to. Um, does it look like that fight's kind of gone now? It's disappeared. It's probably not going to get rescheduled. <laughs> 
Nah, that's not happening. No, that's that's definitely not happening. I have I'm, I have a fight already scheduled. I mean, it's not happening right now. It, it could potentially happen in the future one day, but um, as far as right now, nah, that's definitely not happening. He's he's going to one forty seven, you know, and that's his plan. He wants to go to one forty seven. I think he actually has a fight scheduled at one forty seven. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's that fight is scrapped away, and you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, that was just his plan. You know, his plans was to go to one forty seven, and my plans. It's to be a champion again at 140 before I move to move up to 147. So um, I guess we just had different plans and you know whatever. So it's not uh, it's definitely not happening right now. Yeah, fair enough. And um, you know before we get onto your fight that's that's penciled in, I want to ask you this because I know what you're like and you like to do a lot of crazy outdoor activities. I've seen you chasing alligators and many more crazy things. Um, I want to ask you this. This is a fun kind of question. Have you got like a crazy to-do list of things that you want to get done at some point? You know what? That list is too long, bro. I ain't gonna lie, man. That fucking list is super long, man. I got... My mind just runs, bro. Like, I ain't gonna lie. My mind just fucking runs and runs and runs all day long about things I want. Um, I won't even say crazy, crazy to do list. I just want to do, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I'll see something on Instagram or something, or somebody show me a video. I'm like, I'm doing that. I want to do that. You know, like that's just that's just me. That's just how I am. You know, I want to do so much shit. You know, I, I mean, I did a lot of different things already, and you know, I do a lot of dangerous stuff, man. And I, I think, you know what? I think I might be getting a little older now because I'm, I'm like. I still, I still have the stomach to do it, but I, I think about it a little more. You know what I'm saying? Like I, like I fucking drove my car. The fastest I ever drove my car was miles an hour. That's fucking flying. That's crazy to even think about fathom. Think about that. Like I did that. You know, I drove my car miles an hour. I drive on the regular. I drive my car like, like, on the regular. You know, and and I didn't roll my damn dirt bike. My dirt. I got a big ass dirt bike. I rode the fucking dirt bike. Like, probably, I think it goes to, like, miles an hour. I rode that damn thing with no fucking helmet on, no nothing on. Um, I didn't, I swam with alligators, bro. I didn't swam with sharks in the ocean. I swam with, I mean, I swam with alligators and shit, like, at my house. I swam with fucking sharks in the ocean. I didn't swam with a fucking, I swam with, like, sea lions and shit when I was living in L.A. I mean, I did all kinds of shit, bro. And, um, I mean, so, it's just like, yeah, when I see some stuff, like, I, I just want to do, I'll see some shit like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And it's just, I think, you know, my daddy, he, he, he told me, he was like, I'm just like a, a, um, a, 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 seek, a, a thrill seeker. That's what I am, you know? So, I mean, that's just, that's just how I am, bro. But I, I want to do, I just want to do so much. I just, it's just so much. I just, I want to do, I look at things and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I mean, fuck, that's just me. Damn, and I'm feeling bad out here driving 31 in a 30 zone. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, believe me, I got a lot of speeding tickets. I ain't gonna, I still got pending speeding tickets right now from my fucking speeding and shit like that. Damn. But anyway, moving on to the boxing, Regis, um, this fight that's that's being reported online, it's been penciled in, I believe, October 24th against the undefeated mm-hmm. Juan Geraldes on this Santa Cruz Davis undercard. Um, what do you know about Geraldes, Regis? Another, um, another decent fighter. 
Yeah, another decent fighter, man. He's um, I think sixteen no ten knockouts, man. He's a decent fighter, bro. And um, you know, I just you know, I I'm not gonna lie, I don't think he's on the level I am on. You know, I'm world championship type level. I don't think he's on level level, but at the same time, I'm not putting nothing past nobody. You know, like I have to be out. For me, I have to dominate, you know. Like, with this fight, I have to just – I have to go out and just dominate from opening bell to opening bell. I can't I can't give them nothing, you know. Like, um, and that's just that's just kind of how I feel, man. Like, so I've been busting my ass in the gym every single day. And, you know, not just in the gym, outside the gym. I've been just doing right and doing what I got to do. So, as far as – I don't really know too much about him. Now, I did watch – I watched a, watch a few of his films and stuff like that. And, I mean, this fight been pending for a while now. So, I've been knowing about it. We just couldn't announce it. But, you know, um, this fight been pending for a little while now. But, um, yeah, I've been watching his films a lot. And I see what he does and stuff, you know. So, I think I, I think he's a – you know, he's a good fighter. But I have to – I have to put on the performance, you know. I want to be a world champion again at 140, and if, if I don't dominate, if I don't do what I got to do, I won't get that shot again. So I have to go out there and dominate, and like I said, it's nothing, it's nothing like against him, but it's just like it's it's for me personally. This this is what I have to do. I want to be a world champion again at 140, and this is you know this is like a a, a stepping stone basically. Yeah, I mean you're right. He's 16 and 0. He's got one draw in his last fight to former world champion Argenis Mendez. It was a majority draw over 10 rounds. But no, he's a, he's a decent fighter. He boxed Daryl Spence in the amateurs. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you've you've now parted ways with your former promoter Regis uh, Lou DeBella. You've signed, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, a one fight deal with PBC. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, that was just, I mean, me and me and Lou, we, we, you know, I always got love for Lou, man. Lou, Lou picked me up when nobody wanted me. Like, honestly, like I was, I was at a point when I first came out the the amateurs and I, I was, I fought in Olympic trials and no, I mean, nobody wanted me. Nobody wanted me at all. And after my tenth fight, Lou, he took a gamble and he, you know, he promoted me and you know he signed me and stuff like that and. Um, I, I, I became, you know, like a household name in, in the boxing community, and I became a, a world champion under Lou, so I always be grateful to Lou, but, you know, it's just, I, I feel like now it's just a, it's just a different part of my, um, just a different chapter in my life, that's all, so, um, now, um, I'm going, you know, I have this one fight deal with the PBC banner, and, you know, we're going to see how it goes from there, you know, and then get the, the biggest, the biggest, best fights for the biggest money, and um, you know, in the biggest names, and I feel like I feel like you know this this new chapter of my life that that's gonna happen. You know, get just just way bigger, just way big opportunities, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. And I, I only want you to answer this if you can answer this, Regis. But this this um, one fight deal, it it kind of um, reminds me a little bit of like what Mikey Garcia did when he came back off that layoff, where he didn't really want to long term commit to any major network or major promoter. Is was this your um, was this like more your terms or was it more their terms? You don't have to answer if you can't answer. Um, you know what? Let's not answer that because I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want my man. To, I don't want my man to bitching at me. So let's not. That's fine. Maybe let's not answer. We don't that. want to upset Sam. Right. We don't want to upset Sam. Moving on. Yeah, I don't want to upset Sam. I don't want to see the wrong shit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next question. Um, did you get a chance to see Josh Taylor's win on the weekend over his mandatory? Man, you know what? It was so fast. I tried to put it on and it was gone. So I, I mean, I saw the knockout shot. I did see the body shot and stuff like that. But it was so, 
you know, it was so quick. My, my, my friends in New Orleans, they called me, and it was like, man, you know, you watching Josh Taylor? I was like, oh, shit. And, I, you know, I had just got back inside, and I was trying to put it on, but, um, shit, it was before I can change the channel, it was, it was over. So, I, I mean, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. And Jose Ramirez, again, he got a win over uh, Victor Postel a few weeks back. I personally thought Postel won the fight. Not everyone agrees with me, but that's another story. I, I, you um, know what? I I, I kind of, I mean, you know what? Like, it's my my trainer, Bobby, Bobby thought the same thing. Bobby thought that Postel won. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a close fight. I kind of could say post-all one, but it depends on what the judges, you know, what the judges looking like, what, what they looking at. But, you know, of course, they're not going to give it to them. You know, we we all know that. Not, that's not going to happen. They're not going to give it to them and stuff like that. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he boxed them. You know, it just, it, it proves that, you know, how Ramirez, you know, if, if you got somebody slick in the box in front of him, you know, you just, of course, you can't go in there and bang with him. He's fucking strong. He's strong to the body. And he, he has a, a high a, a punch tolerance. But, you go out there and you pop them, you know, like you can, I mean, it could be a, you know, it could potentially be an easy night, you know. So I, I kind of thought, I kind of thought, you know, Postal won also, but it it all depends on what you're looking at. Yeah, there was some funky scorecards on the night, but um, I was quite surprised mm-hmm. of how easy um, Postal was able to land the one-two time and time again. A straight one-two, mm-hmm. very simple shots. Um, do you still favor right. Taylor if if we do get to see the undisputed fight? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I mean, listen, bro, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think the only person that could beat Josh Taylor is me. You know, that's the only person I think that could beat him. I don't think, I, I don't think Ramirez can beat him. Now, I, I, I personally, I just don't. You know, um. If Ramirez, I mean, the thing is, you know, Josh Taylor, he has a set of nuts on him, so he'll go out there and he might try to bang it out with with with, with um Jose Ramirez because you know I, I think Josh Taylor has a little temper too, so he might try to go out there and bang it bang it out with him just to prove a point. But to, I mean, I think he can make it a he he might can make it an easy night, man. Like he's a southpaw, just like I am. And Zapata, you know, Zapata just he kind of boxed around him as a southpaw. I, I mean, not even. And, you can't even say a southpaw that can beat him now because you know Post All just boxed around him too, you know. So, I mean, I, I think he has trouble with those type of fights, like a like a slick, not even slick because Post All is not really that slick, but just somebody that moves, pops out the jab and moves around. I think he'll have trouble with him, you know. So, um, I, when that fight does happen, hopefully it does happen for the undisputed. And when that fight does happen, then you know I, I definitely favor Josh Taylor. Yeah, we hope it does end up happening. I remember the time when you were also linked with the Postal fight, which of course never happened, which was a, a shame. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Zapita right. there. It is Baranchik Zapita fight week. Baranchik being your former stable mate. Um, how do you see that fight going? Do you have any interest in that fight at all? Um, I mean, I watch it. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a good fight, man. You got a lot of good fights at one forty right now. I mean, you know, Baranchik is a former world champion. He's strong as shit. You know, um. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be hard. I'm not gonna lie, man. It's gonna be hard for um Zapata to keep Baranchek off him. You know, Baranchek is fucking strong and he's gonna keep coming forward. He he only has that loss to Josh Taylor also. So, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for Zapata to you know keep him off. And you know, um, I don't know how how powerful Zapata is. You know how strong he is and stuff like that to to be able to keep off Baranchek. You know you gotta you gotta have some power to keep off Baranchek because. Even Josh Taylor, you know, he he's strong and he has power. And Baranchek just kept coming. He dropped him a few times and he still kept coming. So 
I mean, shit, that's gonna be that's gonna be one hell. Of, that's, that's gonna be a good fight. It's, it's definitely I'll have I have interest in watching that fight. It'll be a good fight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it will be interesting. And just before we wrap it up, Regis, if you've got any closing words just to your UK supporters, obviously I say this all the time when we speak. You've got a ton of fans over here. Unite yourself. What's your message to those guys? Man, I, I love them, man. I love the UK fans, man. Hopefully, you know, one day I'll be back. I'll be back over there. Um, hopefully, you know, we get the Josh Taylor rematch. Although I wouldn't want it to be – not the Josh Taylor rematch. I, w- I definitely want the Josh Taylor rematch to be over here in the United States. But, you know, I definitely would want to fight there against um, the U.K., man. It was 20, over 20,000 people in the O2 that night. I loved it. I had a – you know, I had a, a blast. Um, but and, and then – but I still didn't get to do everything I want to do over there. You know, I was still – I had a blast, but I was in – you know, I was in training camp and stuff when – um. When, when I was over there. So I couldn't really do, you know, is, is the things that I really wanted to do. So, you know, hopefully one day I'll come back. I'll come back to London, come back somewhere, and and then, um you know, go on a little vacation to the U.K. And, you know, but I, I definitely support. I love the U.K. fans, man. And, and I always said I want to fight over there, you know. So that was my dream to always fight in the U.K. I did it. And, um, you know, because y'all real boxing fans over there. So, I just thank everybody for supporting me, and like I said, you know, I'm 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 coming back, and just hopefully everybody, you know, that they get the pay per view um, October 24th, and I'll be I'm back, I'll be back. We will certainly be tuning into that, Regis, and we can't wait for you to come back over here, whether it's Lewis Ritson, whether it's Josh Taylor. We definitely want to see you back. But listen, Regis, you already know I appreciate you, my friend. Best of luck with this upcoming fight. Thank you for your time, and we'll no doubt speak right after. Always, thanks, bro. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Like I did on last week's show, I'm going to save the news for the very end, uh, just in case anything develops from now till then. So I'm going to do the news at the very, very end of the show on the outro when I'm signing out. Uh, It's now time for the preview part. Just before we get into that, though, um, I've been kind of thinking in my head about introducing some kind of I was thinking initially about some kind of little fun segment where I could perhaps quiz Eddie's boxing knowledge. However, (laughs) however, I haven't told you about this, so you're finding out about it now, but I was trying to kind of put together some boxing facts and stuff like that and, and, you know, throw them all at you unexpected one after the other one time. But rather than that, I think I'm going to ask you like a tough question each week. Mm And I'd appreciate okay. if the listeners could help me with this. So if you know any weird, quirky facts, um, tweet them to me on Twitter, or perhaps just direct message them to me, just so Eddie can't see the answer and cheat. Um, if he, if you can send them to me uh, on on Twitter or via Instagram at Box Hard Podcast, um, if it's good, I, I, I'll definitely give you an honourable shout out, an honourable mention, and I will ask your question to Eddie, and um, it'll be interesting. So. Obviously, I've asked. I'm, I'm going to throw one at you here, Eddie. Anyway, I've asked you this okay. before, and you knew. I thought it was a good one, but I remember asking you before, where did Antonio Tarver make his debut? You knew that was the, yeah. the Blue Horizon. Um, right. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you one here. You might know this. If if you know this and it's real easy, then I'm going to ask you the next one. So I'm going to give you one hard one this week at least. Um, okay. Who was the first? By the way, these are largely heavyweight based, so I'm giving you, I'm giving you, uh, I'm making it a little bit easy for you. You should know these. 
I, w- I wouldn't say that because I was always watching the lighter weight guys, but some heavyweights too. But you know, we'll see. It's boxing. Who was <laughs> the first heavyweight world champion who was a southpaw? Damn, the first southpaw? First southpaw heavyweight world champion. Don't, please don't say Charles Martin. <laughs> oh, God, no. I would definitely say Chris Bird before I say, way before I say Charles Martin, because Chris Bird was actually a southpaw heavyweight champion. But something tells me it was before that. Or was it? No, it was before that. I'm trying to think of southpaws. Freak. Southpaws. I could give you a fat clue. I really could. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to let you struggle for a few more seconds. Go on. <laughs> no, no. Why do you like hearing me struggle? Yo, give me the clue, man. Even, All right, the clue is, I, you're going to get this in You're gonna get this in one. It's too good of a clue. Um. Okay, so you sparred him. Oh wow, Michael Moore. Yes, sir. That was he was the yeah. You know what? I why did I not think of that before? Yeah, he was the first outpour. That damn, that's crazy. Yeah, I guess so. I do remember there was like a story behind it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So he was the first heavyweight champion of the world that was a southpaw. So uh, that was that was too good of a clue. I should have I should have pretended I didn't even have a clue. Ooh. But um, when you said sport, I've sport a lot of southpaws, but <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> southpaw heavyweight world like... champions. <laughs> you probably have you ever, you ever you ever sparred Chris Bird? No. Okay. So yeah, that kind of narrowed it down. Yeah, that really <laughs> really you. narrowed it down. Anyway, there's going to be another tough question. I've only got about two more, um, so I'll save that for next week and the week after, and hopefully in those two weeks I can think of some others or. Again, we we'd love your help. Make it interesting, make it fun, and uh, we can we can see what Eddie knows. It'll be interesting. Anyway, um, leaving that little quiz segment there. Um, moving on to the preview part. Very very short. This is going to be uh, two cards to mention. One takes place at the Bubble in the MGM Grand, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, obviously, this one's on the Saturday night. Um, heavyweight undefeated Italian heavyweight Guido Vianello, sparring partner of Tyson Fury, 7-0. and He's in a six-rounder against Kingsley Ibe. Kingsley Ibe is 5-1. and one. Um, His one loss, he actually avenged it. So uh, I don't know how good he is, but I've never seen him fight. But, you know, that's over six rounds there. Uh, the main event really is the... Is the best fight on the card um, by far. It's Jose Zapida, obviously a super lightweight, um, you know, world contender. Thirty-two and two. It's for the vacant WBC silver super lightweight title. He takes on former world champion Ivan Baranchik. Twenty and one. That's going to be a brilliant fight there over twelve rounds. Thoroughly looking forward to that one um, at the bubble in the MGM Grand. And the final card to mention actually takes place on Sunday. Um, I'm guessing, uh, you know, it's going to be obviously evening over here, but Sunday afternoon, your sort of time, Eddie. Um, over here, it, it's, it's actually happening at the Marshall Arena, which is in, uh, in Milton Keynes, United Kingdom. Um, a couple good fights on the card. We get to see Akib Fiaz, 5-0. and He's in an eight-rounder against Kane Baker, who's 13-6. and That fight was supposed to take place before... 
obviously it fell through at the last moment it's now been rescheduled here it is there's now a bit of bad blood out of nowhere because of that we've also got the savage alan babich 4-0 the heavyweight he takes on ireland's very own niall kennedy who's 13-1 and with a draw that's over eight rounds there linus Udofia, 15-0 this one's for the english middleweight title he takes on uh, john hardin jr obviously i think he's managed by dillian white eight and one with a draw over 10 rounds there great fight i really really like that one uh, there's a women's world title fight on the card Chantel cameron 12 and 0 her first fight i believe with matchroom she takes on adriana dos santos arreo who's 6 and 0 undefeated um i think she's been quite inactive not not too sure i know she's up there in age and i'm seeing she's only 6 and 0 so uh not sure the story behind that, but anyway, that's over 10 two-minute rounds there for the vacant WBC World Female Super Lightweight title. Um, Chantel Cameron, for me, probably my favorite female fighter to watch. She is all guns blazing, loves a war. Um, obviously, her name is Chantel Cameron. Her nickname is Wham Bam. Um, her nickname is Wham Bam Sham because she likes to, that's what she does, wham bam, she's very exciting, and topping the bill, Joshua Boatsy, 12-0, obviously, the uh, Olympic bronze medalist, he's fighting here for the, it's his belt, he's defending here, his WBA international light heavyweight title, he takes on a guy called Marco Kalic, who um, isn't a bad fighter at all, not many people, in terms of, you know, uh, casual fans would know who he is, but he's 11 and 0 with six KOs as a professional. Um, he was a decent amateur. He boxed in the World uh, Series of Boxing at WSB. He's been in there with a lot of guys in the amateurs. Um, Tavel Pulev, obviously the younger brother of um, of of Kubrat Pulev. He's also actually beaten the savage Alan Babich twice, I believe, as a profession, uh, as an amateur. He lost to him as well in another fight, but, you know, he's, he's beaten him a couple of times. And remember, he is, um, you know, really and truly uh, a light heavyweight. I think he was boxing as a heavyweight in the amateurs, whatever. But, yeah, decent fighter. That That's not going to be easy, I don't think, for Joshua Boatsy there. I'd be very surprised if Boatsy was to stop him. That'd be quite a statement, even though I don't think he's going to get the credit from certain people because like i say a lot of people don't know who this guy is but that's a great fight it really is um i hope that boatsy does get the credit um for for winning that fight if indeed he wins it and i think there's going to be a big one for him if he gets through it i think there's a big fight for him on the anthony joshua um kubra pulev undercard in december so we shall see but anyway that's it for the preview and like i say not much to go over there only two cards to mention we did the review part um Regis Progray was absolutely excellent in that interview there. I love speaking with him. Honestly, one of my favorite fighters to interview. Uh, we're going to do the news at the very end, which will be probably in about 30 seconds time from now. Um, we did the preview part. The little quiz thing we did with, with Eddie there, the little... Um, unexpected quiz question we want your help with that at box hard podcast send in the hardest questions you can find for him and um <laughs> just before just before i sign out eddie i just want to say thanks to you once again for helping me um, which you've done time and time and time again actually iaz hasn't done a podcast for for um, over six months now you've pretty much been filling in almost every week 
um, during this pandemic. So thanks once again. I've said it a million times. I, I, I'll always be in debt to you how thankful I am for the stuff you've done for me, not just with this, but you know, other stuff outside of this. I appreciate you as a human being, as a friend, more than I think I'll ever be able to express. Nah, man, I appreciate you too. There's a lot of things you've done for me, and just you being around and having me be a part of this thing is a is a good thing for me. Trust me, it's it gives me the opportunity to you know speak to boxing fans, still be out in the public to a degree, and uh, at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm keeping this friendship live. We're staying in touch with each other. This is all this is all good stuff for me too. I love you, brother. Right. Thank you very much, Eddie. It is now time to wrap up the show in just a few seconds from now. Thank you all for listening once again. Okay, and this wraps up episode 259 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former WBA super lightweight world champion, Regis Progray. That's the first time I've ever had to bleep something out. Hopefully I don't have to do that again. Um, there has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Matram have announced a fight card set to take place in Mexico on October 23rd in which we'll get to see, topping the bill, Juan Carlos Estrada defending his WBC Super Flyweight World title in a rematch against um, former holder of the belt and, of course, um, former foe Carlos Cuadras. The undercard will feature Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, the spectacular uh, Nicaraguan fighter in, in search of win number 50 for him against Israel Gonzalez. So it's the battle of the Gonzalez's. Um, you know, Israel Gonzalez, we know quite well, he gave Cal Yafai a hard fight, some people thought he won that night there, uh, that is a defense there of Chocolatito's WBA super flyweight world title, which he won from Yafai, of course, and there's also another world title fight on that card, uh, Julio Cesar Martinez defends his WBC flyweight world title against Maximino Flores, in other news, Lee Selby versus George Cambosos Jr. has been rescheduled, uh, it's great to get to find see that fight. That one's going to be a part of the Chisora Usyk undercard on October 31st. Uh, on the same night as that, but over in the States on the top-ranked card, we get to see um, on the undercard of Inoue versus Maloney uh, on that undercard, like I say, we'll get to see Michaela Meyer finally fighting for a world title. She takes on the undefeated WBO super featherweight world champion Eva Brodnicka. But that's about everything from myself. The biggest thanks of all, of course, goes out to you, the listeners, for tuning in this week. Uh, week in, week out, I thank you all the time. You are the greatest listeners in the world. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.